To raise a glass, the podcast where we talk about the stories and storytellers that shape us. My name is Eric Lintola. And I am Hunter Danson. And for you listeners, it might not have been very long since you last heard our voices. But for <laughs> us, it has been um, months, right, Hunter? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm really bad at, at keeping track of time like that but it's been it's been a good month or so yeah over a month and and strangely as, as it would be we chose a two-part episode right to start before the break yeah <laughs> and to work on after yeah uh but with that said i'm very excited for our discussion today um but before we get into it let's start off with what's in your glass hunter uh well I I still have some urshui left over from last month uh which is hot water um <laughs> because in China they generally drink hot water uh but I also uh you know I went and got an IPA um Aldi's Nomad IPA for all the adventurers like one word Nomad or like you're not allowed to be mad. It's called the Hopping Nomad IPA. Okay. So, so like a you know, like a nomad, like an adventurer. Um, it's decent. It's you know, it's Aldi. It's, it's, yeah, Aldi does a pretty a good, good job IPA. of having local stuff. This is Aldi in Rochester. There's some local Rochester beers there. So, oh, nice. I don't know if the Hopping Nomad is also local to your area. But. Uh, it is not local. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how about you? Well, for me, I have a glass of milk, two mm. percent, to wash down one of my favorite. I think everybody's childhood favorite snacks that we had um, lying around: some worms and dirt. All right. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the Oreos have been in the fridge for a little bit, so they're not really crunchy anymore, but last they still past. taste delicious. Oh my goodness, Hunter. It is so easy to make chocolate pudding. <laughs> you get a pudding pack and you put two cups of water, sorry, two cups of milk, mm. and you whisk them for four minutes. And you that have is, chocolate pudding. That is easy as it gets. Yep, and it is more than decent. <laughs> like my my internal piece was like, oh, how can I make you know chocolate pudding? And I was like, you know what? Why don't I just go the yeah. simple route? All right. Well, are you um, raising your dirt pudding or, or pouring it out <laughs> for anything this week? Yes. So I am going to. Um, I'll start with pouring one out. Um, I'm going to pour one out for uh, the number of sicknesses that kids get. Um, uh-huh. My son just turned one. Um, and that is a hint to my raising a glass. But uh, <laughs> between him and all my nephews, and somebody's always sick. Yeah. And I know it's going to get more <laughs> before it gets less. So yeah, pour one out for that. Um, but I am raising a glass to to my son, uh, to Caleb. Uh, he mm. just turned one this this week, and I can't believe it. Uh, I also can't remember life before him. Um, I've I've been told that that's kind of that's God, like because mm. you could remember things beforehand, like in what life was like, you know, or you could remember the first two months of you know having the baby. You might not want more, um, yeah. but God gives us <laughs> the ability to forget. <laughs> uh, and it's just so much fun to see him. Yeah. He's walking around. He was he got he got blown over by the wind yesterday, and mm. um, today <laughs> I was like, "Oh, can you give me a hug?" And he walked right up to me and gave me a hug. 
Uh, it's like, oh my goodness. Um, yeah. So I'm just raising glass to Caleb, and that's where the that's worms great. and dirt come in. There were that was one of the two different desserts we made for his birthday party. Oh, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Hunter, how about you? What are you raising glass and pouring one out for this week? Um, I am uh, raising a glass to Michaela Schifrin, who uh, now holds the record for the most World Cup wins of all time. She surpassed uh, Ingemar Stenmark, who held the record for over 30 years. Um, <laughs> and I think to do it in this day and age of ski racing with, uh, you know, the, the level of technology and preparation and work that goes into like national teams at the world cup level, um, to be that consistent now at that level is, is all the more impressive. And, um, you know, not to diminish anything from Stenmark. He's, he's an app, he's a legend for a reason. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's a different era of ski racing. And, um, yeah, I'm just, and I'm, you know, she's, she's like around our age. She's like a year or two younger, I think. And so it's been cool to kind of watch her career, you know, as, as I was ski racing and growing up, um, she was ski racing and growing up and, and, um, but much faster than I was. So, um, (laughs) and, uh, she also did this, uh, like YouTube series, um, that's kind of like a documentary following this season. Um, and she is, uh, very humble and has embraced, uh, failure and, um, which you don't often see at the top level of sports. Um, if those of you who remember the Olympics, she, I don't think she meddled in anything and she fell like three times rough Olympics. Yes. And so she really embraced that. And honestly, like this season has for her has on the world cup circuit has been just been like one of her best. Uh, she, she won the overall globe. Uh, she won the GS (laughs) final. Um, she passed, uh, the rec all time record. Um, so just, (laughs) yeah, you know, um, but you know it's kind of sad because a lot of Americans all they see is the is the Olympics and that's just like three races out of hundreds. Um, on specific but, on one three races yeah. on one type of snow and ice and mountain too. It's not even yeah like three random races. Yeah. So I I definitely recommend watching the the series uh, she shares about you know dealing with the loss of her dad and uh, dealing with failure and embracing every moment of the sport uh, because, you know, she said that she, she doesn't just do it. If she only did it for the wins, you know, then she probably wouldn't be ski racing. Um, and yes. Um, but I'm pouring one out for um, something that's maybe even more niche and uh, a little ner- and nerdy is um, Solus operating system. Uh, which is a distribution of Linux. Uh, so those of you <laughs> who are wondering, there's Windows, there's oh Mac, and then there's Linux, uh, which is the operating system that runs on the hardware of your computer. Um, they had kind of a snafu with the, the development servers, and the project has really been languishing. It hasn't been able to get updates. So like it still works, but um, they haven't been able to get the newest security updates for like a month. Um, so now I'm on um, Ultramarine, which is a fork of Fedora for, for any fellow nerds out there who care. But um, it's just kind of sad because I've been using it for a long time and you kind of get to know people in the, in the Linux forums. Um, but I'm still, you know, I'm wishing the best to uh, the developers who, who really work in their spare time and do a lot and hope it... <laughs> Hope this situation <laughs> gets better. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I take this very seriously. I yeah. I mean, it's it's like if you don't know anything about it, it's just going to sound like gibberish. But you know, I've been thinking about the podcast, and and I feel like I was starting to take it a little too seriously. Um, big surprise. <laughs> if, uh, 
if any of you know me. Um, so I'm just trying to, you know, this is... Be you, yeah. This is not my most polished work, I'll say that. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the point. That's that's what a podcast is. It's a, it's a different kind of thing, but... It's true, it's true. I, I appreciate you, Hunter, even though I don't understand you often. And the words that come out of your mouth sometimes are Mandarin and sometimes they just sound like Mandarin <laughs> to me. Yeah. Um, and yes, uh, is, is the thing called soulless or are you calling it soulless? It's, it's called soulless S O L U S the soulless oh, project. Okay. Yeah. I heard soul less. Yeah. Like without a soul. No. <laughs> and I was like, well, no. it seems like that's a, an indictment. Uh, from yeah. you. <laughs> But no, no okay. it, it's called solar. It was really a like, great like the sun. Yeah. The solar. Okay. Yeah, like S O L U S Solus. So the idea was there, but the reality of it hasn't come through. Well, it's it has been running for like years and years and years. I've I've run it for like six years. What has happened is the main server where people get updates for the operating system, like like if you need to update your browser or something. Um in Linux, you run a command and it updates it for you, okay. everything. Um, but the dev servers went down, and the only person who has mm. access to the servers who can fix them because they have she has to be there physically on site to fix it um, had some like health issues and personal things, and there was like a snowstorm, and just, there just haven't been any updates uh, for a while. Wow. And everyone wants to work on it, but there's only like one person who can actually be there and has access to the servers um, who can huh. get it. Once the servers this are up, sounds like then it's, yeah, it's really been pretty bad um, <laughs> for the, the operating system. I mean, it's an open source project, so it's not mm-hmm. like people are like losing money. It's not a company. It's just kind of mm-hmm. sad to see like a project that I really loved that I used a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, to have it kind of hit a pretty rough patch. Yeah. So. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing, Hunter. <laughs> and for those of you listeners who uh, who this strikes home with, feel free to send them a message. <laughs> yeah. Support and solidarity. Uh, and maybe we'll get that soulless thing back up. Soul, soulless. Soulless. Soul, soulless. Yes. Make the soul... Luquette again. Uh, yeah, all I could think of was uh, the Pixar movie Soul. Right. Which is really good. Um, have it you is. seen it? Yeah. 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 Oh, sound, the, the, sound, the score, the soundtrack in that is amazing. Mm. Actually, not, uh, and it's, I mean, not at all similar, but I'm going to attempt to segue here. <clears throat> okay. But the soundtrack in Soul is incredible. Not too dissimilar, in fact, uh, in, well, it's very different. But there's also a great uh, soundtrack in To Live. How about that? Did I do a good job? Yes. All right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know it's Matt, fun. right? It's, okay. Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hunter, I am really excited to talk about To Live, the f- movie. Um because in our last episode, you talked about being introduced to the movie prior to the book mm. and uh, the way that that impacted you. And you actually went back and rewatched the movie because you were interested in Mandarin with the, the, the English subtitles. And you've been working on now reading to live in Mandarin yeah, uh, as well as having read it in English. And I uh, had made the decision uh-huh. because you would start with the movie to start with a book. Um, and I made that decision maybe months ago. <laughs> it was like at this time. Um, and having watched the movie now, um, I understand why you liked it and wanted to read the book. Um, Yay. Because the tone is completely different. I, I found that to be just a huge difference, at least when I was reading through to live, I just felt bleak and Mm. bleak and bleak and bleaker and bleaker. And at the end, somebody saying 
yeah, but I'm still alive. So it's not as bleak as it could be. Um, yeah. And like, that was my reading. That is, you know, without having seen the movie, without knowing anything about it. I don't think somebody could watch this movie and come away with that uh, opinion. Um, because there is such... Part of it is is the soundtrack. The soundtrack sets up a tone that in the midst of pain, in the midst of death, in the midst of sorrow and loss, there is still continuity. Hmm. There is still not just life that goes on, but life that is worth living. Yeah. Um, to, I guess to give a little context, we're sort of jumping in, but you know, uh, the novel to live and the movie are set um, just before the uh, communist nationalist war for China. Uh, and it follows a character, guy named Fugue and his family uh, as they tried to live through that war and the cultural revolution uh, and after. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that you enjoyed the movie. I was, I was very excited for you to watch the movie um, because it is lighter. Uh, there, there are more comedy moments. The actor who plays Fugue was actually a comedy actor. He is amazing. Um, yeah. I really, I actually really appreciated all of the acting in in this movie, but I, I really, yeah. I really liked him. Yeah, um, and the Jiao Jen is amazing. Uh, who plays his wife, or mm-hmm. who is his wife, um, played by Gong Li, um, and I understand your reaction to the book. Um. Because the book is, well, I, I just want to, maybe we can just say a couple things briefly about the book and then yeah. we'll, we'll go into the movie because we talked about a lot about the book last time. Um, I read, uh, you know, on our time off, a book called um, Lily Briscoe's Chinese Eyes, uh, which is a study of... Um, to the lighthouse. Well, it's not to the lighthouse. It's it, it. It takes its title from the character Lily Briscoe from To the Lighthouse, okay. um, and which we opened season two with. Um, but it talks about how Lily Briscoe got her Chinese eyes because Virginia Woolf describes her as having Chinese eyes, and it turns out that Virginia Woolf's nephew. Um, was had a professorship in China and there was this literary group in China called the Crescent Moon Group that had ties to the literary group that Virginia Woolf was a part of, uh, which was the Blooms, <coughs> Bloomsbury group. Um, and he ended up, her nephew ended up having an affair with a writer, a Chinese writer painter um, named Ling Shuhua and so there was a lot of interplay between um, these British writers and these um, Chinese writers and artists. And interplay. so that's kind of like, it was, it was a really fascinating read um, just because it was so cool to see how, because c- a lot of the literature before was about how Western art has, has influenced Chinese art. Mm. And this was more about how Chinese art has influenced lo- uh, uh, Western art. Um, you know, through this lens of British modernism stuff. Um, But one of the things that I wanted to share from that book is it is frequently brought up. One of the characteristics of Chinese art is how much is left out. It's like, if you look at Chinese, traditional Chinese paintings, um, they're very sparse, you know, a lot of Hmm. times it's just an ink. So it's black and white. It's just ink on paper. Um, very few lines and, uh, often, you know, calligraphy isn't considered just writing. Calligraphy is considered painting. So writing in like characters and words are combined with painting in Chinese art. And 
I think specifically the part that applies to to live is um, how much is left out because it's a short book. And Yuhua doesn't give too much commentary really uh, about what's going on. He doesn't really give his perspective. Um, he just tells it through Fu Gui. And I've, I think that reading it a second time, when you try and look, when you look between the lines of the book, um, you can see a lot. And I, I, the second time I read it, I came away with like the opposite feeling that you had, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, where you, you know, that kind of hopeless feeling. Um, but this is, and, 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 the large part of that is because I think the book, the the cultural revolution is horrible, uh, and the I think it's it's really hard for us to kind of grasp the scale of like the suffering of what happened. Just mm-hmm. like millions of people just starving, um, yeah. and you know we we know about the, we're taught about the Holocaust a lot, and we're taught. We, we do cover the Cultural Revolution, at least we did in high school, um, in my school. But, like, it's one thing to just kind of read about it in a textbook. Um, but it's really impossible to underestimate the impact of that on the Chinese people. And Yuhua, you know, rather than avoiding it or... Um, you know, just writing about something else. Um, he he looks in the face of all of that suffering because millions and millions of families went through what Fu Wei went through, um, and he he looks all of that in the face and he says, you know, uh, you don't win. Um, life mm-hmm. goes on, and there's beauty in that life. Uh, which I think that the movie more effectively conveys, and maybe that's because it's more something that we're used to, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, I was trying to think about that cause that's, that's what you just shared is beautiful. And, and, and I think I shared this in our last conversation that it's a, I'm not used to reading this type of literature. Hmm. I'm not used to reading literature that was originally written in Chinese <laughs> um, right. and in, in the, the, the cultural piece. And so I'm sure there, my reading of it could be very different than what hmm. was meant to be conveyed. Um, and with film though, it's, I am used to watching more films in more places. Right. Um, and I'm very attuned to music and the way that music can make you, feel and think differently. And so I guess it makes sense to me that. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, sorry, that was a, that was a very long tangent I went on, but, uh, I don't know. I, um, obviously it's something I'm biased about, but, oh, um, I want to hear more about your reaction to the movie um, trying to think of a good question to to get us going. My cat just jumped out of my lap. Lewis is not that type of cat usually. <laughs> Very excited. How did you feel about Fugway this time around uh, versus the book? I think reading the book first gave me an understanding of Fugue's story arc. And so even from the beginning, when it opens up in a gambling hall, (laughs) um, I was not necessarily opposed to him because I know the type of person he ends up being, Hmm. becoming, um, and so I think that helped <laughs> a yeah. lot. Um, and I very much 
felt the relationships that Fukuoka is in. So one of the things I think movies are often forced to do more so than books is to show, not tell. Hmm. So the books told by Fugui, well, by a narrator after talking with Fugui, who's narrating his life. <laughs> um, and so a lot of it is like what happened to me versus mm-hmm. the movie. It's what is actively happening in his life. Right. Um, and I, I think I felt that difference. Um, and it makes sense to me when you said the Fukui, the actor is played by a comedian um, because I, I, there was a, a decision made in the movie um, to give Fukui um, longer uh, after he wins the house and, and everything that's um, Fukui goes to him some amount of time later and says, Hey, will you give me a loan so I can start up a small business? And Longer says, no, I'm not going to give you a loan, but I will give you, um, let you borrow my, um, what's puppets? Um, shadow puppets. Shadow puppets set so you can make your own money. So even when I had no money, I could make money with this and didn't have to mm-hmm. beg. And so there's that theme of the shadow puppets and of the box they come in that has little metal bits on it that follows with Fuguay in the entire story. And it's beautiful. And it follows through the, the deaths of yeah, it's after the death of his father, but follows through you know, when the death of his mother and of his kids and to be assumed the death yeah. of his wife. And if we know the full book, the death of everybody else. Um, and it gives, I, I, for me, like it gives a, it gave a really like strong visual and a, a strong, like not K-O-N-O-T, yeah. um, that was like tied to Fuguay, um, that almost made him stand out, right? He stood out because he had, was bald, he purpose of shape, yeah. so he could always visually tell who he was. Um, but then he also stood out as the person with the shadow puppets and his job was to give people joy um, yeah. when all was lost. And so that is how he came across to me once he kicked his gambling habit <laughs> as one who yeah. was there to, to give joy. And, and even before then, right. The, the time for him. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> even while he was still, before he lost all of his money, he was, he he went and right. uh, was telling some shadow puppet stories um, mm. in the gambling. Yeah, call. yeah, I I absolutely loved the shadow puppets. Um, I was actually surprised when I went to read the book, and it wasn't in the book. Um, yeah, but uh, it makes so much sense, like for a movie, mm. um, mm-hmm. and because. They're just so fascinating to watch, um, and it's, they have really, really great performances um, by Fuguay and the other shadow puppet troupe. Um, because basically, to to make his living after he gambles away all his money, he uh, you know starts a shadow puppet troupe and they travel all over. Um, and there's there's a lot of great montages of the shadow puppet. Um, acts and stories and uh, Mm -hmm. you can see them playing traditional instruments and the way that they sing. It's like, it's um, it doesn't sound like blues, but it, it really hits me in the same way that blues does um, in that it is, you know, a, a expression of um, grief and yet, also joy mm. uh, and uh, you know carries great sadness can carry great happiness um, and it comes from a place of deep 
suffering in cultural history. Um, and it, it's just, it's beautiful. And there's also a lot of symbolism with the box of that the shadow puppets um, are carried in. This yes. the chest. Hunter, I think a question that um, our listeners might be asking, it's, it's a question that if I hadn't read and watched it and heard a little bit of information about it, I would be asking as well. But it's a question you are equipped to answer. And the question is, how much of a role, if any, did the author have in the movie? Uh, because one of the things, as we are living in an age of remakes, um, is you know, often authors are given different types of voices, sometimes none, sometimes a lot. Um, and we can see that sometimes a finished product sways pretty significantly from the heart of hmm. um, the original piece. And I, I've talked about, we've talked about this movie being a, um, carrying a tone that might have actually be true to what the book was was communicating. I just missed it. And you said that you've, you've read that. So I know that they were actually completed um, within just a few years of each other, like not, not too differently in time. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that interaction? Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I, believe Zhang Emo was was planning on doing an adaption of one of Yu Hua's works. Um, and originally he was going to do a thriller or something. Uh, but then um, Zhang Emo, who's the director, he uh, picked up to live and he read it in one night. <laughs> and so when he met with Yu Hua, they're like, maybe we should just do to live. <laughs> and uh, they ended up doing <laughs> That one, and I'm pretty sure. Isn't there a writing credit uh, for Yuhua on the? Is movie? there? Uh, it was in Mandarin. I okay. <laughs> I I, right. Yeah. I there might be, but I'm pretty sure he had like a pretty big role. Um, this this is from my afterward of from to live. Uh, that says the script was adapted by the author in collaboration with Zhang Yimou and the screenwriter, uh, Liu Wei. So it was adapted by the author. Um, so I guess he, he had a pretty big hand in it. And it's clear. There's not additional characters. It is. It yeah. very much follows the story arcs and the, and, and the characters of the book to live while making some really, I think, understandable changes. Um, the pace right. in the movie is very fast mm. and they are really good at showing how time has changed in, in pictures in ages of kids in mm. small, like if, if you blink, you might miss it. Like, Oh, we've missed, <laughs> we've skipped forward three years yeah. or four years. Um, I think it does it really well. Yeah. Hunter, is there a specific character that sticks out to you in I'm thinking in, in terms of the film, um, but I would be interested for a brief moment of whether or not that is the same character that sticks out to you in the book. Uh, besides Fugue. Uh, I think that, that Jia Jen really steals the show in the movie. Um, like, they they, I, they definitely expand her role mm -hmm. um, because it's not told from the perspective of Fugue in the movie. Um, and the performance by Gong Li is really, really fantastic. Um, mm -hmm. Like just, just the one shot when you see Jiao Jen after Fugue comes back from the war and you see Jia Jen with uh, Feng Xia and um, Yo Ching uh, 
like the first time you see her with the, uh, she's delivering water mm-hmm. is really, I remember that scene like from the first time I watched it. <laughs> um, you know, I remember that scene years later um, just cause she has your ching on her back and she's mm-hmm. like filling up the water and, and it's um, before sunrise or it's just at sunrise. Yeah. It's like, it is the way it's framed and the lighting and everything. It's just um, like, you just feel her strength. Uh, she her, is a powerhouse. Yeah. She is the strength in their family. Oh yeah. No doubt no about doubt. it. Um, I mean, <laughs> I, I also really enjoyed um, Chun Chung. He, uh, <laughs> I, I think he might have been a comedy actor too, because the scenes with him uh, and Fugue and um, Old Chuan, um, yeah. d- despite being in like a really, really awful wartime situation, oh, um, terrible. There's a lot of there's a lot of comedy in it, like, and and you almost can't help but laugh, like oh, this when is, this must have been a mil- an officer's coat. You got the <laughs> this is real booze. Yeah, right. <laughs> And the, they're like going, he finds a coat for them and he's going to put on the coat and he's like, there's blood on this. <laughs> and he's like, I don't really have a choice. Uh, but yeah. How about you? Um, I really connected with Urshi. Ur- mm. You've already pronounced, you know, shown me the correct way to pronounce his name. Um, but the the man who marries um, Feng Shua, Feng Xia, yeah, and and joins a family. I I thought he played. I, mean, I think they all played their characters to the book incredibly well. But I, I really he was a, a breath of fresh air to me oh, yeah. in in the in the book and in the movie because yeah. I feel like in a lot of the literature that I read and movies I watch, when there is a, a man that marries a woman uh, who they don't really know each other well, like it is nine times out of 10, a, a bad thing, like yeah. ultimately. Um, and people, you know, husbands taking advantage of wives and, and that is just not this character at all. Uh, <laughs> Like, I just love the first time he shows up <laughs> their house. Um, like oh, he's crippled, yeah. but but it's not because he's got a you know, birth defect. It's because he you know, got injured at work thing. <laughs> he he just sits there and he says, "Good, good, 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 good." Um, and it's oh. says, yeah, "Good, good." And and um, Feng Shui walks out and he sees her, and then he says, "Okay, goodbye." <laughs> and then. He shows up the next day or some few days later when um, the mother and father are at the, I don't know, getting thread or getting something to make a dress or I don't even know what they're getting. Um, and he, him and his friends like rip down all the ceiling tiles and like redo the house. And then there's like three like huge murals of chairman Mao painted everywhere that oh yes because <laughs> you know, he's a great artist and <laughs> yeah just, <laughs> I, I, and then like I, the whole wedding scene i just i really appreciate the the levity and the the passion that a a character who is not defined by being passionate <laughs> that he mm-hmm. brings um and yeah. like it's just and, and he immediately calls him mom and dad. And, right. And, and there's just so much life that I, I feel like that brings to what at that point was a very dark moment in the movie um, yeah. and in their whole family. Yeah. He's a, he's a great guy. Like <laughs> in the book and the movie, um, Arshi is a man. Uh, I think, mm, Speaking of the scene where they where um, they find them painting the the picture of Chairman Mao uh, together, <laughs> and that's like I think that's one of the scenes where like oh she actually likes he actually likes Feng Xia and they're gonna get married. 
Um, <laughs> how do you feel? How th this character is not in the book directly, but he overshadows the book, or at least is kind of a backdrop. How do you feel about Mao Zedong? Well, um, <laughs> I am glad you're not asking me this during the peak of the Cold War. Uh, <laughs> yeah, me um, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is a... An American telling of this movie would... of this American movie of this book would be much more of a an indictment in the speakment against Mao Zedong. And I think that's pretty i i read that in the movie oh yeah um, it was like, banned when it came out in china okay like we have to do what we have to do to survive um like you know uh, long er burns down the house that used to be um fugues and like he hears about that and he says well and like the 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 village leader is like ah oh, those are some strong your house is made out of some strong um, um, counter-revolutionary timbers. Mm -hmm. And he said, whose house? <laughs> or something like that. He's like, yeah. he's like you know, and, and so he like immediately <laughs> kind of jumps on the bandwagon. Like they, right. They, they, he had a, he, <laughs> he, he did one puppet show for, well, he was working for the anti-revolutionary, um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, military, but then did one puppet show after becoming a POW for the Liberation Army, mm -hmm. and then got a little note saying that. And so then the rest of the movie, they're very quick to say, "Oh, he was in the Liberation Army." Like, like right. That's the, <laughs> oh, and um, they uh, he puts his certificate. Uh, he gets a certificate from the Liberation Army, which are the communists. Um, saying that he served in the Liberation Army. Uh, and he puts it through the wash accidentally. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, uh, Jia Jin, like, goes and fishes it out, and um, and they <laughs> they end up framing it. <laughs> oh, and that's that's when Archie, Archie was, looks at, that's what he looks at, and says, oh, good, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I just, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I, um, my one of my biggest memories from AP World History I had a great teacher, um, but it's been a few years. Uh, so there are very many things I don't remember, but he taught us um, a way to remember all of the dynasties of China using a common song that we all know uh, that is stuck in my head all these years, uh, which will indicate to you the the knowledge that has retained in my head about Mao Zedong. <laughs> Here it goes. Shang Zhou Chin Han, Shang Zhou Chin Han, Sui Tang Song, Sui Tang Song, Yuan Ming Qing Republic, Yuan Ming Qing Republic, Mao Zedong. He kills people. <laughs> Mao Zedong. He kills people. <laughs> <laughs> And that's what I remember <laughs> about Chinese history. <laughs> I, so, <laughs> I don't know if I should be embarrassed or what, but um, I appreciated the statements about them trying to take over Taiwan as well, because I found that funny. Because, oh. But I also know that's a very politically charged conversation today. Um, and there, there are a lot of undercurrents that I recognized were undercurrents, but I didn't understand because of my lack of knowledge and interaction with, um, with China. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where I was at. And, and it was very clear that even that anybody in a position of authority, even if they continually were pro-communist, became a capitalist um, dissenter mm -hmm. within this movie. And 
whenever that happened, what was the job of everybody else? To, to distance themselves from that person. Yeah. To, to survive. <laughs> yeah. Um, to live. Yeah. At the, the moment when Fugue realizes like he gambles away all of his property and, uh, Long R takes over his property. And then, uh, Long R is executed as a landowner. Um, and Fugue realizes that if he hadn't gambled away his property, it probably would have been him, uh, mm-hmm. executed. Um, what if Lar hadn't cheated him out of all of the things? Right. Really, yeah. in the books, he was using loaded dice. Right, yeah. Um, it's true. I guess getting to uh, how, how it's shaped me, um, I asked that question about Mao because after I came back from China, <laughs> um, I had some, some views about Mao. And if you had asked me about them, um, I would have told them to you. Uh, I, I, and I'm realizing now that I can trace a lot of that back to this movie, um, because Mao and the, you know, the movement, um, great leap forward and everything, uh, you know, basically killed people for no reason. Like they smelt all of the pots uh, Mm. that people used to cook rice. To make three cannonballs. Yeah. To make three cannonballs that, you know, the team leader says is it's like one we're going to drop on. uh, We're going to drop it right on Chiang Kai-shek's bed. Mm. (laughs) Another one on his dining table, dining room table. Uh, Thirds on his toilet. Right. <laughs> so he can't sleep, um, eat, or poop. Yeah. And, and you know, it's this spirit of, like, improvement, uh, of, of, like, you know, wanting to surpass, uh, you know, America and, and prove that China is uh, a strong nation, a capable nation. I think that's – I'm far from an expert, but that's kind of the – the sense that I get from what I've read uh, and and seen about the the cultural revolution and Great Leap Forward and all of that, um, but there's just so many senseless things that are done. You know, the smelting of the going back to the smelting of the pots. They smelt all the pots, and they're like, "Fugue is like, well, what are we going to cook with?" Um, they're like, "All right, you can go to the common dining hall uh, anytime you want to get food," and it's great for like a few months <laughs> and then they start running out of uh, food and mm-hmm. they don't have any pots to cook rice in. And um, they keep waiting to get rice from uh, the central, the team leader like goes every, every week or something to try and get rice at the worst of the famine. Uh, and it just never comes. It keeps getting promised and it never comes. And a lot of that's in the book. Um, it's it's but, skipped over in the movie. Yeah, um, but I think, like, the biggest thing in the movie is, um, mm. uh, at least for me, is is Feng Xiao's death, uh, which, I, were you thinking of something else, or? Oh, I was thinking about the chicken becomes a goose, becomes a oh. sheep, lamb becomes a sheep, but... yeah. I was understanding your movement in a different way. So, but yes, let's talk about Feng Xiao's death. Like, I think it's, I don't think we can talk about this without talking about that. Yeah. So I'm curious, um, which, which death hit you the hardest in the book versus which hit you the hardest in the movie? So it's, I think it's really hard to watch this movie and not have Feng Shui's death be the one that hits the hardest because they there's so much blood. And that is its own huge scene. I just actually skipped through it because I just it was too much for me. Um, and it had to do with 
you know, it just like the, and the way they told it was like pretty much all the, the doctors in training staged a revolt and kicked out all of the, the actual doctors um, because they were, I can't remember the specific language. Bourgeoisie, uh, you know, they're um, holding China back, counter-revolutionary. And the whole reason, be, and, and because of that, then Feng Shui dies. And so do all those doctors. Yeah, and because the um, the like basically the the real the the trained doctors are in prison and uh, being publicly humiliated, and the um, like nurses' aides or like the students, medical students, are taking over as mm-hmm. doctors, and they don't know how to deal with Feng Shao. She has. Um, that there's a name for it. She has hemorrhaging after giving birth and they don't, they don't know how to stop it. And do you know, guys, um, yeah, I don't think there's any way that that could not be the most impactful death on somebody in watching this movie, even though it's by no means the only death. Um, right. Just by sheer amount of screen time and, um, vocalization like we don't see yo ching's death we just see right. his hand um, mm-hmm. um i think it's hard for me I, I think his death in the book though is the one that hit me the hardest yo ching's um yeah. because it was completely useless needless and infuriating yeah um and as out of left field as it was in the book, in the movie, but in a completely different way. In both cases, it's um, the person who's most directly caused, uh, you know, who's de- who most directly causes his death. In both cases, is is um, Cheng Sheng, Chun Sheng, Chun Sheng. Yeah. Um, and in the movie, he accidentally backs up to a wall and it collapses on Yo Ching in a Jeep. Um, and yeah. he also gets injured and that's, um, but in the, in the, in the book, Yo Ching dies because he's the best runner. Um, and his dad pushed to the side, but he had really, it's cause he has the same blood type as Yo, uh, Chung Chung's wife. Yeah. And the stupid doctor, and the clinic dries him of all his blood. Yeah. And it's just, oh, I hated it. And then, I mean, but then it's also hard to think little Bun's death is just also just so sad. Right. They yeah. all are. They, I mean, every, everyone is sadder than the next, but Yo Ching's is the one that hits, hits me the most in the, in the book. I had a similar reaction. Like it was definitely Yo Ching's death uh, in the book, and Feng Xiao's in the movie. Um, I wanted to share one bit from the book, uh, and it's about Yo Ching's death because it just—I think it captures. Uh, I'm just going to read it. When we got to Yo Ching's grave, Zha Jin wanted me to put her down. With tears streaming down her face, she climbed atop Yo Ching's burial mound. She placed both her hands upon the earth above his graves, as if she wanted to caress Yo Ching, but she had so little energy that all she could do was move a few fingers. Seeing Zha Jin like this, my heart hurt so much it felt like it was all blocked up. I really shouldn't have buried Yo Ching. I should have let Jia Jin see him one last time. Jia Jin stayed there until dark. I was afraid the night dew would make her sick, so I picked her up and put her on my back. Jia Jin had me take her over to the edge of the village. By the time we got there, my collar was soaked. Yo Ching won't be able to run down this trail to school anymore, Jia Jin said, crying. I gazed at that narrow, twisting trail that led to town 
and heard the sound of my son running barefoot. The moonlight was shining on the trail, giving the illusion that a layer of salt had been sprinkled along it. This is not an uplifting book or movie in the in the reality because it tells the stories and 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 while maybe the ultimate point could be uplifting it it doesn't shy away from talking about pain and when you think you're through it it brings up another one and so many of them hit you from left field or right field you don't see them coming and it, you can't become callous to them because right. they're so unexpected and in none of them, none of the deaths make sense. Hence my, uh, my feeling towards Mao and the whole, um, the whole movement, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, obviously I have a, had a lot of love for China, um, but not the government. <laughs> China to me is the Chinese people. Uh, and, and this is both the movie and the book focuses on, on the people and what they've been through. Um, and there's so much more to tell. Like I, I'm, you know, just one, person who studied abroad in China. Um, there are so many other stories to read and learn and see. Mm -hmm. And I would say for all of those out there who are interested in this, I think the right way to go about this particular story, maybe from Western, a Western perspective, yeah. is to start with the movie. And I, as a person, hate saying that because <laughs> that is not how I live my life with most books and movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's I think it's the right move. Um, yeah, to Because the movie is, you know, Zhang Yimo is a modern director and um, he's, his techniques, I think, are familiar. His... his his film language is familiar to a Western audience. He did the movie hero as well. Mm. Um, which uh, was, was more famous in the West. Um, and he's done a lot of other films too. Any parting words for us? Um, I don't know. I had a, I had like a few sentences I wanted to try to read in Chinese um, from the book. Can you read that in English? Um, do, you, do you know what it is in English? Like where it is? Uh, more, more or less. Yeah. Well, there, there was one phrase here that, um, and and I think, okay, maybe I could pull it together and end Great. with this. The one, the reason that I highlighted these three sentences, not necessarily a particular story reason. This is early on. Uh, this is from the narrator's perspective um, when he's just going about the countryside and he, 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 he meets uh, a young girl and uh, decides that he, he almost decides that he wants to marry her. And then he sees her mm, three mm-hmm. uh, brothers coming up and he runs away. Yep. <laughs> um, but um, I highlighted one phrase, which is, and this is what I mean by when you look between 
the lines, there is great beauty in it. And a lot of that, when you consider the tradition of writing in characters and in a language that is visual, incredibly visual, and um, a language that blends painting and language in its art, mm -hmm. um, the beauty off most often I find in the book is, is in the imagery. And this is imagery. It's Zai, which is at He, which is a river. Hebian is, is riverside. De is, is a possessive article, um, which is, it's basically like the rivers, like adding apostrophe S basically. Um, the Qingzhao Shang, Qingzhao is like early morning. It's like a fresh, bright morning. So it's kind of like saying, sitting by the river's fresh, bright morning, um, which doesn't make much sense in English, but it works in Chinese. And it's just, it's so simple and so elegant mm. and so effective. Like you're sitting by the river's fresh, early morning. And it's just in like three, in like, you know, one, two, three, four, five, in like seven characters, I am sitting by a, a fresh, clean riverside. The sun is out, but it's cool. There's dew. Uh, and the river is running. And, um, it's beautiful. And that is in the midst of all that is going on with Fuguay and the death and everything else. And that's uh, why I love it. Thank you, Hunter. Thank you for bringing this to our conversation and for continually encouraging me to watch the movie. Uh, <laughs> when I was reticent to do so after reading the book, it definitely helped change my perspective. And you have an uncanny ability to find wonderful literature and to uh, encourage me to take part in it, even when I am more reticent to do so. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for, for being willing. Um, I know it's not easy um, to make time, to engage with it, to, to experience it, to feel it. So, so thank you for that. And um, this is one that I found by myself. I will take credit for finding this literature by myself, but a lot of the other ones are from my wife. Uh, she has impeccable taste. Mm. Um, you know, she, she found to the lighthouse. I read to the lighthouse because of her. So, um, thank you, Kim. <laughs> Go Kim. <laughs> thank you listeners for listening to us. Uh, I hope it's, it's a good time. I hope you got something out of it. Um, yeah, to live. And if you are out there listening and want to send a piece of literature our way to mm. to read, to watch, to listen to, uh, to talk about, um, if you have either of our personal information, feel free to send us a message. <laughs> um, if not, is yeah. there a way that people can get in contact with us? Yeah, I am on Twitter uh, at hdanson. Uh, I don't like Twitter, but I have one. Um, I'm also on Mastodon, so mastodon.social at hdanson. Um, at hdanson at mastodon.social. Um, so you can go on there. Uh, I also link my website to the podcast, so and that has other contact info, including Patreon if you want to buy us a glass <laughs> or something. Or not, uh, whatever. It's, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. But uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. We've got some other great, great, uh, great episodes coming your way later this, this season. Yes. Yes. We're going to, I am very excited about. I am too. Yeah. Um, Hades town, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Why do we build the wall? My children, my children, why (laughs) do we build the wall? Why do we build the wall? We build the wall to keep us free. That's why we build the wall. We build the wall to keep us free. Short preview. Very own. Gives me chills that that song has been stuck in my head since I saw it three weeks ago. Written before 2016. Mm -hmm. 2006, actually, that was written. Yeah. Um, But insane mm. insane I could spend oh, yeah. an entire podcast episode just talking about that song so that myth and along with many more yes good night signing off cheers follow me down this road Get lost cause I know